Ring a ding, 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 ding. What's that sound? <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say that. Uh, that, of course, though, is the New Zealand relevance klaxon. That's right. Yes, New Zealand has made international news. Well, well, sort of. We're making it news. This is this is wine, correct? Yes. Former staff journalist Henry Cook. I love Henry. Yeah, friend of the show for sure. He was at a 1975 concert recently mm-hmm. and tweeted a picture that shows Matty Haley honing a bottle of New Zealand Pinot Noir. And looking mighty fine while he does it. It must be seen. Yeah, in one hand he's playing piano and then the other hand has the bottle and a ciggy. Yeah, and he's wearing he's wearing a suit that would um, get you an earful from Natalia Kills, put it that way. He's got And he's got the skinny black tie, top button undone. He's looking a bit bedraggled. He's looking great. <sighs> but yes, a bottle of Te Pa. Pinot Noir, I believe, by my internet sleuthing. Well, hey, thanks, Matty Healy. Putting New Zealand on the map once again through your debauched antics. Uh, Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Scams are everywhere at the moment. So if you fall victim to one, will you get your money back? Also, why one of the world's fastest growing sports is setting new records for outrage among people not playing it. House prices continue to drop and new loan-to-value ratios are coming into play. We look at whether now's the time to leap onto the property ladder. And the USA celebrates its independence in the most American way imaginable. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Scams are so prevalent right now, and that's put the spotlight right back on what happens if you do get scammed. Yeah, in many cases, the bank doesn't actually have to give your money back, which is leaving some people thousands of dollars out of pocket, consumer NZs. John Duffy is with us now to explain. Kia ora. Kia ora. When do banks have to give your money back? Yeah, I think the simplest way of thinking about it is when a transaction is authorised or it's not authorised. So imagine an unauthorised transaction is where you leave your wallet on the bus or the train, someone picks it up, gets online with your credit card and makes a transaction, right? You haven't authorised that transaction. You haven't done anything other than you know your wallet falling out of your pocket to provide that person any of your account information or anything like that. And so in those cases, all things going well, uh, the bank should refund you, cover you for that for that fraudulent transaction. In the case of most scams, the transaction's actually authorised. So if you imagine you're a scam victim, you've been lured into making a payment on some pretense that you're, I don't know, you're helping some Ghanaian heir of some giant fortune get their money out of, 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 of Africa or... Uh, you're involved in a romance scam or you know any of these terribly insidious uh, flavors of scams because you've been scammed you think it's genuine and so you've authorized a payment to that person and um, obviously that person's not what they are claiming to be but in those cases the bank doesn't need to refund you under our current uh, banking code of practice can you fight that at all can you have a follow-up because obviously it has you know foul play has been involved in a scam and you authorised it, but under false pretenses. Yeah, you you can. And look, there's a recent case that's gone through the Banking Ombudsman scheme where effectively a fake payment screen came up, fooling a scam victim into thinking that the bank was authorised. You know, he was going through an authorised 
um, channeled through his bank. Um, the bank refused to pay out. The complainant took the matter to the banking ombudsman scheme, and the banking ombudsman ruled in his favour, and he was refunded sixty odd thousand uh, dollars that he'd lost. So yes, you can fight it, and um, if you do feel that you haven't actually contributed to the fraud in any way, you should make a complaint to the banking ombudsman. I mean, John, how do you feel about those rules? Because I suppose, you know, it would be easy to, to sort of get righteously indignant about this and say, no, the banks should should pay people back if they get scammed. You know, they've, they rake in hundreds of millions a year. But I guess the argument against that is sort of the personal responsibility thing, that people need to be responsible and, and, and do their due diligence. Like, what do you, how do you feel about our rules? Yeah, I think the answer sits somewhere in between some of those concepts. And the the other thing that uh, the banks quite rightly argue is they're working really hard to make payments quicker and easier and take friction out of the system. And and you know, as consumers, we love that, right? We we love the fact that we can um, make really quick payments or peer to peer payments, and and that and that system works really well, right? So there are tensions here. However, I do think we are out of step with uh, many of the jurisdictions that we like to compare ourselves to. So the UK, for example, in that um, unauthorized transaction example that I gave, you would get your money back. Uh, Similarly, in Australia, they're bringing in those rules. Singapore uh, is streets ahead of everybody and has set up, you know, a a comprehensive scam center. And that's that's a a piece of the puzzle that that we shouldn't neglect. It's, It's not just on the banks here. So absolutely, you're right. There needs to be a degree of personal responsibility, but firstly, we should remember people are being scammed by professional scammers, right? This is what these people do for a living. They're very good at it, and we shouldn't be blaming victims for being scammed unless they've done something out of the ordinary to contribute to, um, you know, exacerbating the harm that's created. So let's say that they, you know, there's some contributory negligence or something like that. In those cases, yeah, it may be fair for the bank to argue that a refund's not not due. John Duffy, Consumer New Zealand, thank you so much for your time. No problem at all. Thanks, too. Now, we approached the Banking Association for the story and they gave us a statement which said, <clears throat> Currently, customers and banks share risk for fraud loss depending on what happened. Banks agree to reimburse losses if you did not authorise the payment, didn't breach your terms and conditions and took reasonable care. Reimbursing all or most losses for payments you've authorised would shift the balance. That could mean customers have little incentive or responsibility to protect their money and could lead to much greater fraud losses. We want to know your stories. Have you ever been scammed? Tell us how it happened and we're happy to keep you anonymous if you don't want people to know about it. You can find us on TikTok or Insta, search up Newsable NZ and you can also get in touch with us via email newsable at stuff.co.nz. An abrupt tonal shift here. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah, let's go. Uh, We need to talk about one of the fastest growing sports in the world... And here in New Zealand, uh, as a matter of fact, because it is sparking outrage and fury. And uh, this is a new development for what had uh, up until now been a pretty pretty positive story. What is it? Is it like speed rock climbing or something? Uh, yeah, chess boxing. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's called pickleball. What's pickleball? Easiest way to think about it is kind of like uh, ta- table tennis. Mm. 
played on a court rather than a table. So, by the way, did you ever play pater tennis when you were at school? I don't know what you're just making sound at this point. I don't. I've honestly got no idea what you're talking about. It's kind of, it's kind, it's kind of like pater tennis. It's played with uh, paddles and you use a ball, uh, but it's not as intense physically. Uh, is is tennis, so it's suitable for a wider range of people, um, uh, particularly older people. is really big among um, uh, sort of post fifty year olds, big communities, um, and it's making people angry for two reasons actually. One is the noise that it makes, and the other is that um, tennis courts are being repurposed into pickleball courts. So tennis players. Notoriously ill-tempered, already are getting even more pissed off than they normally are. We'll come back to the the tennis people, but what's the noise? How is this? How could a noise? Surely the noise of a tennis ball hitting a tennis racket is just as annoying. The difference is the ball. So, like a, a pickleball, you, you use a ball called a whiff, a whiffle. Um, what hang on? Which is great now. Yeah. So we all know what a tennis ball's like, right? Like it's covered in the in the the stuff that the, which which makes it soft. Um, I don't know what it's called, but a whiffle is hollow and it's made out of plastic and it has holes in it. It makes this weird popping sound where you say bang pop. Um, and the decibel range of the pops is such that it it very much annoys people. It can be as loud as a vacuum cleaner, apparently, and some annoyed residents who live nearby pickleball courts have described it like gunshots. Um, we actually we have a we have some audio of it. Um, have a listen to this. Gosh, it's yeah. aggressive. It is. And because the court's quite small as well, um, there's more there's more hits. So it's like pop, 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 pop. You know, right. you, you heard it there. You know. I actually, tennis players are getting ragey. And this actually, like, this seems like they have a point though. Yeah. I mean, pickleball has grown in popularity very, very quickly. Um, it's grown apparently by 159% in the past few years, although, you know, percentages, got to be careful about that. Um, but courts are springing up everywhere, and if you like playing tennis and your court's being used for pickleball, you might get a bit annoyed. There are actually some very amusing videos of confrontations between tennis players and pickleball players, one of which we will broadcast right here. Get off this court! Freedom of speech. Yeah, get Go! Get out of here! You're I don't play pickleball! Play Jacob! Yes, you are! Are watching. You guys That's right. right. What? Now, p- pickleball is growing here in Aotearoa as well, but not as fast as we've seen in the US, so hopefully we will avert this kind of uh, conflict. Um, but in April, Pickleball NZ celebrated the conversion of four tennis courts in Kitty to pickleball courts. So I guess, you know, we'll have to wait and see. If you say pickleball one more time. Pickleball, pickleball, pickleball. pickleball. It's like Candyman. <laughs> Hey, if you're confused about how the Reserve Bank's changed the rules around home lending, stand by because we've got a 101 for you coming up in just a moment. But if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It helps other people find us and it feeds our insatiable egos. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? 
Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, the property market's downward slide continues with the latest CoreLogic data showing the average house price dropping by more than $10,000 from May to June. It's bad news, of course, if you've got a big old mortgage. But maybe not bad news if you are a prospective first-home buyer. And this path to home ownership could be smoother still. Thanks to changes to LVRs the Reserve Bank faced in recently. BNZ's Mike Jones is in for the pulse to break these down for us. G'day, Mike. How are you going? G'day, guys. Going well. How are you? I am very good. First up, Economics 101. What are LVRs and how do they affect us? Well, LVRs, um, I think, are a sort of slightly complicated way to, to basically get at the idea of how much of a deposit you need to place on a house. So if you say you have a 20% deposit, ready then you know you're going to need to borrow the rest which is if my maths is right 80 percent of a prospective property's value as as debt so that's what an lvr is Uh, but for me i think it's it's easier to think about in terms of the deposit side talk us through the changes that the rbnz announced in, in sort of how they've been phased in yeah well the reason we talk about lvrs so much more now is that that 10 years ago the reserve bank decided to um stipulate how much lending banks could do to folk with low deposits. And so the Zoo Bank decides both what constitutes a low deposit loan, which at the moment for an owner-occupier is, is 20%, and also how much lending banks can do uh, in that segment. And and it's actually flexed those rules quite a bit over the past couple of years, as we've seen the kind of post-COVID house price craziness up and down occur. Um, so it, it is worth keeping an eye on. The most recent changes were made in May kind of at the edges, but for me, kind of still telling in terms of the direction of the change. So uh, 15% of new bank lending can now go to those with low deposit loans, which at the moment is is 20%. And that used to be 10% of new bank lending. So it's been eased up a little bit. Uh, And investor uh, LVR requirements were eased up a little bit as well. So I kind of think about the Reserve Bank as, as sort of holding the, the dam gates on, on credit and what it's done is sort of lift them up a little bit further, letting a bit more credit flow through to the housing market, which for me kind of says, one, they're a little bit more happy about where house prices are now that they've come down a whole lot. And two, probably we were in danger or they were in danger of restricting too much credit and you don't want a market kind of freezing up in that sense. Reading the tea leaves a bit here, prices are bottoming out, banks are loosening those purse strings, opening up that dam, as you say. Is it a good time to think about getting on the property ladder? No economist really will or probably should give you an answer to that because it's always, you know, decision to buy houses is is really dependent on individual circumstances. And in particular, you know, if it's your first house or or a second and so forth. What I think we can say, though, is that affordability is, is... I don't want to say better, but maybe less bad than it was. We've had house prices fall 15, 20%, depending on where you are. Incomes have generally gone up. Um, so it's easier or, or less hard, I suppose, to, to buy a house. And also, you know, in terms of where we see house prices going, th- there are now increasingly concrete signs that the market is, is bottoming out. And we see house price growth resuming actually over the second half of this year, albeit at pretty slow sorts of rates. I think, you know, one thing that's probably worth mentioning though is for a lot of people it won't necessarily be the LVR that's the main constraint in terms of buying a, a home or, or getting a loan it's actually the servicing right because you know interest rates are really high or much higher than they were 
And banks are now testing on 8 9% mortgage rates. So actually servicing alone, uh, particularly with the price of everything else going up as well, is, is the more difficult, I think, part of the equation for, for many. But I guess, you know, we still see next year interest rates potentially starting starting to fall and we're, we're more confident in that as well. Mike Jones for BNZ, translating the jargon into normal person language. Thank you very much for your time as always. Thanks, guys. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Nothing if in there. That on. sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so it is the 6th of July, mm-hmm. but I just want to rewind the clock mm-hmm. back to the... Whoa! Fo- <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> what happened? It was we're, amazing. Well, now we're at the 4th of July, American Independence Day. But for some reason, Independence Day also means hot dog eating competitions? Yeah, this is... Americans love doing this, right? Like, they, 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 do, they do hot dog eating competitions on, on the 4th of July. Yeah, and this year's winner ate 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes is a lot of hot dogs. That's like a hot dog every 10 seconds. Is that? Well, I don't know. I'm terrible I'm terrible at math. Why would you ask me? Yeah, yeah. Six hot dogs a minute. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, my God, I got that right. Well, someone else did good math uh, and looked into the nutritional value of a hot dog and a bun, and they worked out it's about 20,000 calories that this guy consumed and around four times the entire daily salt and fat recommendation for the average adult. This isn't actually a new world record. I think the world record is held by the same guy, Joey Chestnut. is like 72 in 10 minutes. But the first time someone ever won this hot dog eating contest, the biggest one in America, they, they only ate 14 hot dogs. Oh, see, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that one. <laughs> I could do that now. How are you with um with with eating challenges more broadly? I've never done one, but I love food. Do, have you have you heard of the um chicken nugget challenge? What's the chicken? A hundred a hundred chicken nuggets in two hours. <laughs> do you reckon you could do that? I see what you're doing here. I'm not going to be eating a hundred chicken nuggets in two hours. Because you couldn't do it. Because you couldn't do oh, it. Oh no, I could do it. Oh, could you? <laughs> I reckon. And I'm not playing any of your silly games today. But someone who would play a silly game is producer Jono. I reckon <laughs> he could do 100 nuggies. I reckon he could do 100 nuggies. Easy, hours. easy. I reckon he could do it I could do it, yeah, one hour for sure. I, I would like to hear your tips and tricks, uh, wonderful, beautiful, attractive listeners, on how you would make it easier to eat 100 chicken nuggets in, in two hours. And I also think we're going to have to convince producer Jono to see if he can eat 100 nuggies. Yeah, we'll keep you posted on that one, actually, because that, that, um, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. I would. Anyway, I think that's newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow morning. Pickleball, pickleball, pickleball. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, 
The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.